Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Uh, welcome, folks, on this uh, very grateful Memorial Day. This is a Memorial Day show. We didn't record this on Friday. It's a, a normal show for us. Uh, we, um, yeah, we wanted to produce some content for you, given everything that happened over the weekend. I have some really incredible developments. Another one in the Flynn case where the judge, the judge in the case, has actually lawyered up. I've got an interesting story about podcasting, and I've got a favor from you at the end of the show. We're going to need some forensic analysis on a Joe Biden soundbite where he swears he didn't say something I think he said. So stay stay tuned to the end because we're going to need some audience help on this. <laughs> he said something, I know, and he's saying he didn't. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today on this memorial yeah, day? I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here with you as always. And, you know, thinking about what's happened in the past and why we're free, it's, you know, that's what Memorial Day is about. said that this morning. Yeah. That's right. It was on Fox and Friends. I'd like to dedicate today's show as well uh, to all the, the Gold Star families, the families out there that have lost men in combat, and to my uh, great mm -hmm. uncle Gregory Ambrose, who was killed in Vietnam rather heroically. He was shot in the back while trying to rescue his friends. He was uh, There's his picture right there if you want to see, youtube.com slash Bongino, where he was given a bronze star with a V for valor. Um, a great man. So uh, I'd like to dedicate this show to him today and, again, to all those who've lost those in combat and to those who serve now as well. Thank you for everything you do. We really appreciate it. Again, Loaded Show, I'm going to start today on a bit of a lighter note after this. I've got some video of Kaylee McEnany as well, um, absolutely lighting up the press, which I, I think you'll enjoy. Um, today's show brought to you by our friends at Omaha Steaks. Listen, Father's Day is coming up, so give Dad the gift he really wants this year. Perfectly aged, tender steaks, which we had yesterday in our house. We did a little Memorial Day barbecue. The steaks were absolutely delicious. You see that? Look at those steaks. You can see them. On, that is actually my plate right there. Oh, no, I didn't man. eat all four of them. I had two of them. I had some burgers too. <laughs> and I the, the biggest choice I had yesterday was, do I eat three burgers and one steak, three steaks and one burger, or do I go two and two? I eat a lot. I know, but this food was amazing. Trust me. Omaha Steaks will deliver the world's best steaks and a huge variety of other favorites directly to your dad's door for Father's Day. Right now, Omaha Steaks is getting is offering our listeners access to a variety of amazing packages that are perfect to send your dad for Father's Day. He will love this. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter the code Bongino in the search bar. you see all their great options available, many that include free shipping and a free one-pound package of the perfectly cured, incredibly thick applewood smoked steak cut bacon. I know your mouth is watering right now. There are a lot of packages perfect for dad. They're all ready to be shipped straight to your door. Omaha Steaks has a variety of Father's Day packages. They include this, world-famous Omaha Steaks, naturally aged at least 21 days for tenderness, hand-carved to perfection. Burgers, franks, sausages, and other favorites perfect for grilling. Premium poultry and pork cut by Omaha Steaks Butchers and individually sealed for freshness and flavor. Tasty, easy-to-made side dishes. No work, one-step family meals, artisan desserts, and much, much more. Their Father's Day packages are ready to order, ready to ship, and many include free shipping and a free pound of steak-cut bacon. Mm. Omaha Steaks delivers guaranteed quality and safety with every order. So send dad a gift of food he'll love this year. Visit omahasteaks.com. Stock up today and type Bongino in the search bar to shop for Father's Day. Do it today. Check it out. All right, Joe, let's Here we go. go. Ding, ding. All right. On a bit of a um, lighter note, because it is Monday, it is, although a somber holiday, a holiday nonetheless. And as Joe said, you know, we want to think about those who have lost. That's, of course, the purpose of the holiday. It's not about barbecues. Uh, but, you know, this is a day off for some. So I want to start with this. The great Kaylee McEnany, who is, a reg, uh, uh, who is uh, already, forgive me, 
moving herself into the exalted status of conservatives out there because she has just been tearing up and lighting up the press who holds a popularity rating in the realm of, I don't even want to say, some people used to say like used car salesmen, but the used car salesmen were actually pretty good business guys. She, this, she's annihilating the press. Their popularity approval ratings are in the can. We're talking about single digits type stuff. And here's why. We have this explosive case, which I'll get to later. Mike Flynn being framed, the president as a national security advisor. The information coming out every day is absolutely devastating and astonishing. How the media is not interested in it is even more astonishing. So Kaylee gets up there and it's about a minute 10 uh, 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 soundbite here, video clip of Kaylee answering the media and saying, hey, you guys may want to start asking some questions about this. Check this out. This is terrific. I laid out a series of questions that any good journalist would want to answer about why people were unmasked um, and, and all sorts of questions. And I just wanted to follow up with you guys on that. Did anyone take it upon themselves to pose any questions about Michael Flynn and un unmasking the President Obama's spokesperson? Oh, not a single journalist has posed but, that question. But, but, but okay. Name wasn't so masked, I would uh, like Kelly, to Kelly. lay out a series of questions, and perhaps if I write them out in a slide format, maybe we're visual learners and you guys will follow up with journalistic curiosity. So, number one, why did the Obama administration use opposition, opposition research funded by a political organization and filled with foreign dirt to surveil members of the Trump campaign? Number two, why was Lieutenant General Michael Flynn unmasked, not by the intel community entirely, but by Obama's chief of staff, by the former vice president, Joe Biden, by Susan Rice, by the Treasury secretary. I mean, this is extraordinary. And, you know, if it were political appointees in the Trump administration, I can guarantee you I'd have questions in my inbox right now. But apparently Obama's spokesperson does not. Why was Flynn's identity leaked in a criminal act? It is a criminal act to leak the identity of Michael Flynn to the press, but it happened. Where are the questions to Obama's spokesperson? Because my team would be running around this building should this have happened under the Trump administration. Whoa. You need a Band-Aid for that. <laughs> did, did, I'm, I'm, Joe, I'm genuinely <laughs> curious. Did someone dial 911 to report a crime there from the press room? <laughs> We've been assaulted by Kaylee McEnany. I'm just wondering <laughs> because that was a takedown like I've never seen it. And she needs to do more of this. I, you know, I get, there's some different opinions out there with people I respect <sighs> and I love you all to death. Had a number of conversations about it. Some people think it goes too far. I don't. I am not one of those people. I have no respect for the media. Not all of them, but most of them. None. Zero. Zero respect. These are people. Think about it. You have one job. One job. You have one job. You're a journalist. You're supposed to report the facts. This isn't hard. It's And listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm really sorry, but it's not a hard job, okay? Construction workers, pilots, our, you know, machine gunners in the military, these are stressful, hard jobs, okay? Combat engineers, these are tough jobs. What the media does is not a tough job. It's not. I will never acquiesce on that point whatsoever. It is an easy job to do. I know it because... In my experience working with the media, having been an agent in the White House and dealing with some of them, I'm not kidding. Some of the dumbest people I've ever met were in the media. Not a slight. I'm just making a qualitative judgment based on the conversations I've had that, gosh, this guy is really not that bright. I can't believe he's in the media. They can't even do basic questions. So I have no problem with this approach at all. And I highly recommend the Trump administration do more of this. 
Send Kaylee out there to ask the job, to ask the questions the media want. She can take questions after usually dumb. Most of the questions the media asks are gotcha types that have no one really cares about but these media hacks. But go out there and ask the questions the media isn't. It's only the biggest scandal in American history, the Spygate scandal. The National Security Advisor, the president, was framed. We now know it. And nobody in the media is even remotely curious. Not only that, not only are they not remotely curious. As I'll point out in an article by the great Andy McCarthy at National Review later, the media is now trying to turn the narrative back on us again, shockingly. <sighs> All right, before I get to that, let me get to the second story because it's interesting. I don't cover a lot of this type of stuff about the podcast space, mm. the cable news space, the what I call the infotainment space, informational entertainment. Um, informational, meaning people go to get news, current events, find out what's going on, hear interesting perspective. It's not like, um, say, a movie. You know, a movie you go for in the Avengers. You don't go to really learn anything if you watch the Avengers. You may like that. I like comic books growing up. I love them. I have a lot of them now. But you just go there to be entertained. That's not what this show is. Um, that's not what cable news is. And that's certainly not what the Joe Rogan podcast is. Now, for those of you who haven't heard of Joe Rogan, it's probably a small subset of my audience, but some of you may not know who he is. Joe Rogan is a brilliant businessman first. Um, he's a mixed martial artist. He he has um, a moneyed interest in, in like, I believe in gyms and, and, and nutrition products as well. He's been a phenomenal businessman. He, he was a comedian. He's done so many different things. He's been a host of a reality show. He was a host for the UFC. But again, I want to give this guy maximum kudos for being a just a brilliant, brilliant businessman. He has a podcast called The Joe Rogan Experience, which has been Number one forever. To give you some perspective on this space, because some of you out there, some of you may find this segment interesting. Some of you may not. I found it fascinating. We don't do a lot of it. To give you some perspective on the podcast space, because some of you listen and you don't, the numbers don't register. Think about a, a cable news show. What The number one cable news show out there we have at night is typically the Sean Hannity show. Right. Sean gets on any given night between three and a half on a rocking night to like five million viewers. That's a lot. The population of the United States is only 330 million people. You're talking about you know, 1% of the country tuning into the same show every night. It's probably more because you're talking about households that are watching too. But that's a big number. Think about that. You're talking about 1% of an entire country watching one program out of the what? Thousands of programs available on cable, podcast, YouTube, and elsewhere. Joe Rogan, who is, does not have a cable distribution platform, he has this digital pie. It's a show just like mine. There's a video and audio show, right? Same exact um, kind of format when it comes to the, the transmission and distribution of the show. He's on YouTube like we are. Rogan does 190 million downloads a month. That's insane. Mm. Considering he does probably, uh, what, 20 shows a month with vacations, maybe a little less on average. You're talking about an audience, you know, in the, in the tens of millions, potentially, for any given show. Think about that. The most watched cable news shows out there, you're talking about an audience digitally that's almost double that. Now, to put in perspective, a lot of people are uncomfortable sharing their numbers. I'm not. We do, on any given month, we do probably 10 to 15 million downloads a month, which is a lot. So our audience, per show, over time, Probably between 500, 800,000 over the cycle. We like bill over, say, 20 days the show. That's a lot. But Rogan is the king. We, he's just number one. 
I bring this up because I read this New York Times piece and it, I, you're like, New York Times, trust me, I would never put a New York Times article up on my screen if it wasn't to make fun of it, if I didn't think it was worth your time. But Barry Weiss did a good job in this piece. I actually included it in the show notes, as mu- show notes, excuse me, as much as it pained me to put it up there. If you want to read it, go to Bongino.com slash newsletter. That is my, uh, you can subscribe to my show notes. The newsletter is the show notes. I'll send you this article. Title, New York Times, Barry Weiss. Joe Rogan is the new mainstream media talking to the podcasting king about his monster Spotify deal. So what happened? Why is this news and why does this matter to you in terms of going forward and how we're going to consume our infotainment? Ladies and gentlemen, the old model is dead. You know the old model. Tom Brokaw, Walter Cronkite, Peter Jennings, Sam Donaldson said it, and you had to consume it. Mm. Joe, you remember, you grew up more than me. You're about 10 years older than me, but I remember it. You grew up in that era. If it wasn't on the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite, the nation didn't hear about it. Yep. Remember, Joe, you had your local news where you got your stories about the local mom and pop that was struggling or, you know, them running a speed trap on the corner. That was a local news. You still see that. And in the national news was the CBS Evening News, NBC and um, ABC. And that's what everybody consumed, what Peter Jennings, Brokaw, and what, uh, what Walter Cronkite told you you needed to see. That model is dead, done. Stick a, f- stick a fork in it like that Omaha steak. It's over. That model's over. They were in control before. You know who's in control now? You. Rogan, Joe Rogan, the podcast I just told you about, just signed a deal with Spotify. We are on Spotify too, but it's an exclusive deal. His full video shows, and I believe maybe his audio too. I'm not really sure about the audio side, forgive me. But the video shows will only be available on Spotify. He signed a deal. Get a load of this thing. You figure, what, a million, two million, about five million, 10 million, about 50. More than 50? more. 60 million, 80 million, 90 million, 95 million. He signed a deal for a hundred million dollars. Do you have any idea how much a hundred million? Do you have have any idea how much money that, I know that's Shaggy, a hundred million dollars. Do you have any idea how much money that is? A hundred million dollars. I don't even know how long the deal is. I, I'm not friends with Joe Rogan. I don't know him at all. I know who he is, but we're not personal friends. $100 million. Ladies and gentlemen, the game is over. Now, a couple of takeaways from this and why this matters. Again, as I just said, we're in charge now. To get Joe Rogan's show, you don't have to turn on ABC where what ABC told you, what Peter Jennings said, you had to consume. Why? Because as Joe knows, growing up, there was nowhere else to go. That was it. Oh, you could have gone to CBS or NBC. They were all libs. They were all saying the same thing. There was no Fox News back then. There was a, even on Fox, where I work, you have you, Fox has a lineup, and that's what you have to watch. Now, they have Fox Nation, which is on demand, too, which hopefully we'll be doing some specials for soon when we can get this whole COVID thing on. But it is largely they, the locus of control is with them. What they put on, you have to watch. That's not the case with on-demand programming. 10 million people or so a day are choosing to pick up their phone, find Joe Rogan's show, subscribe to it, and hit play. We're in charge now. I say that because this show is in that model too. You have given me a voice where we don't need anybody else. I am free. I've never been freer in my life. 
to talk about what I want to talk about. I don't, I don't worry about media, liberal media boycotts. I don't worry about a show producer. I'm the show producer. Joe does the audio. Paula and Drew do the video. I produce the content, me. I send it to Paula and I send clips to Joe. And then Drew polishes it up at the end. But I'm in charge because I know what you like. Why? Because I can see the show in live time. Second, what else is going to change? So we're in charge now. They're not in charge anymore. The reason, and one of the one of the uh, the portions of the piece I really enjoyed, and I think is worth your time, this New York Times piece. Again, for me to put a New York Times piece up, I think it's worth, is the unpredictability of Rogan's show. Because people like me and Rogan are in charge of our own content, there's no focus group tested nonsense here. I say what the hell I want when I want to say it. And if you don't like it, you email me and I read it or I see it on Twitter. We've done shows, have we not, Paula? Joe, you know the deal where people are like, ah, that topic is dumb. Oh, yeah. I don't agree with you. We we get all that. And you know what? Sometimes we don't do it again. Sometimes we disagree and we do it again anyway. But it's our choice and it's real. It's not a focus group. Barry Rice writes in the, writes in the piece that people are tired of tuning into like, you know, the Walter Cronkite model and here, <laughs> run by 55 different editors at, at uh, CBS before it gets out to you at night and insuredly written in a way to reflect poorly on the Republicans. People are like, I'm not really interested in that anymore. Finally, one more thing and I'll move on because I got a lot to get to. Just cord cutting. It's happening, folks. People are cutting the cord, the cable cord. They're done. Everything's on demand now. Plug your phone into the dashboard. You don't even have to plug your phone and Bluetooth it to the dashboard. Click the Dan Bongino show, the Joe Rogan show on demand. And the future of this are dumb boxes. You're like, dumb boxes, Dan. Who's a dumb box? I'm not talking about people or media people. I'm talking about literally what you're watching this on. <laughs> the TV in the future, these kids are super tech savvy, is a dumb box. That's all it is. It is going to be a box. You are going to have a phone or whatever. You're going to hit play Dan Bongino show, sling it to the TV, and it's going to be anywhere you go. A hotel room, your living room, elsewhere. No one's going to care about cable news or anything else. Not because of the news content, because of the cable. The news content's going to go elsewhere. YouTube, things like Fox Nation and elsewhere, it's all going to be on demand. You're in charge now. This money deal is the best, the biggest contract I've seen in $100 million. Amazing. All right, uh, moving on. I got a lot more to get to today, including how <laughs> this Judge Sullivan case with Flynn just continues to get more bizarre. You, Joe, I know I say this a lot and you kind of laugh. I saw it told Paul this weekend, but you're never, ever going to guess who's back in the Judge Sullivan case. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. The fix, the Obama fix, well, kind of back. Not really. The Obama fixer is back. Stay tuned. All right. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at Policy Genius. Ladies and gentlemen, Policy Genius, Policy Genius, Policy Genius. Go to policygenius.com. Compare quotes in just a few minutes. It is the place to be. Save yourself money. Listen, with everything going on right now, a lot of people are asking if it's even possible to buy life insurance at all. The short answer is a big yes. You can buy life insurance during a pandemic. And if you have loved ones, depending on your income, you probably should. As an insurance marketplace, Policy Genius is in contact with the life insurance companies on their platform every day. They're keeping track of all the changes in the market so you don't have to, which means they can get you covered quickly and for the best price. Here's how it works. Policy Genius compares quotes from the top life insurance companies in one place. You don't have to go search around. Just go to Policy Genius. It takes just a few minutes to compare quotes from top insurers to find the best price that works for you. 
This doesn't just save a lot of legwork. You could save $1,500 or more. That's big savings by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. When you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape for free. Come on, who's better than you with Policy Genius? So if you had any speed bumps during the application process, they'll be there to take care of everything. So if you're one of the many people looking to buy life insurance right now, but you're not sure where to start, head to policygenius.com. Policy Genius will find you the best rate, handle the process completely. They'll get you and your family protected and hopefully give you one less thing to worry about. Policygenius.com, policygenius.com. Go check it out today. Okay. Paula, quick on the switch there. She's like lightning. She's been working out pretty hard. You got to see her with the jump rope. Well, I got that. They'll be coming soon. We got this weighted jump rope from a new sponsor. This thing is money. She's like Mike Tyson on the jump rope there. Boxing. But you got to see her. She got quick feet. I can't do that anymore. My knees can't handle it. All right, getting back to this. So, in an unbelievable story this weekend, I had to, I had to digest this a few different ways. It's like, is this even possible? We all know now that General Mike Flynn was, was set up. We know it. The Obama administration spied on the Trump team. Flynn knew about it. Flynn, then the incoming National Security Advisor, General Flynn for President Trump, becomes a target of an elaborate FBI scheme to frame him. They interview him. They say they asked him about sanctions. They didn't. It's not even in their paperwork. They then frame him for lying about the sanctions they didn't ask about. And then the hapless, corrupt Mueller probe takes over and actually prosecutes Mike Flynn. Now, all kinds of material proving Flynn's innocence that he didn't lie to the FBI has since emerged, including a devastating note from an FBI manager saying, what is our goal here? To set him up or to get him to lie so we get him fired? Who writes that? Like, who writes that unless this guy is actually cooperating for the FBI uh, in the investigation, Bill Prystep, the guy who wrote the note? Or part two, this is the dumbest human being on the planet. I'm trying to set up Joe for a bank robbery. I take a note. Do I set up Joe using false video or do I set up Joe by putting a Joe dummy in the bank and pretending it's Joe with the Elvis hair? <laughs> Sign Dan Bongino. Uh, what is it? May 26, 2, 5, 4, 3, 10. I don't even know the dates. There we go. Sign DB. Who does that? The answer is only two people write notes about trying to frame a three-star general. One who's really concerned he's being brought into an elaborate conspiracy he's going to go down for. So he's covering his rear end, if you know what I mean. Or number two, the dumbest FBI agent in the history of humankind, which I don't think this guy is. So now the government's trying to drop the case and the judge in the case, air quotes judge, this is not a, this is a fake judge at this point. This is not anyone acting like an independent arbiter of justice. Judge Sullivan. Judge Sullivan in what should be a standard kind of just pro forma, okay, we're dropping the case because the government prosecutes and I'm the judge. You don't want to prosecute. I'm going to drop the case. The judge will not drop the case. He wants opinion writers, third party people to write why the government shouldn't drop the case. The judge this weekend in a, uh, I, I had to like read this story twice because I thought it was a joke. The judge this weekend, Fox News gets his own lawyer. The, <laughs> The judge, Joe, is lawyering up. The judge is lawyering Man. up. How the hell is the judge lawyering up? How, the, Fox News uh, in the show notes today. Sam Dorman. Judge in Flynn case hires lawyer as appeals court review his decision not to dismiss. What the? This is like bizarro Superman land for the legal profession. There's a judge in a case lawyering up? Oh. Now, 
I always go to Margot Cleveland or Leslie McAdoo for, for at the Federalist when I want to see good or Andy McCarthy when I want to see really good legal analysis. And Margot Cleveland had written it in a case like this. What's unusual is not that the judge is lawyered up. Some other judges will get other lawyers to write that stuff when because he won't drop the case and the court above him, the appeals court is demanding a notice from him about why he's not dropping the case. She said what's very unusual on her Twitter, which I found interesting. It's not that he's getting a lawyer. It's that he's not dropping the case. Like this is unheard of. That's the part that's unusual. You shouldn't even need a lawyer. Now you're never, well, if you're a viewer of this show and you're of course, two, three years ahead of the news cycle, you're never going to believe we hires as a lawyer. Now, you may be saying there's no way he hired the Obama fixer, Obama's White House lawyer, Catherine Rummler. No. Well, you'd be right. No, you'd be right. right. He did not hire Rummler. But let me show you this old article from the Washington Post that's now relevant again. I bring up this old stuff again. So here's a Washington Post article about the Obama fixer. Remember Catherine Rummler, if you're a regular viewer? She's the Obama fixer. She's fixed the Benghazi thing, fixed, and I'm using air quotes here, the Secret Service scandal, the IRS scandal. She's a lawyer for this witness for Mueller. She's the lawyer for the DNC. She's Obama's lawyer. She's the lawyer for Susan Rice. Catherine Rumler always appears when there's Obama. Clean up on aisle four, whenever. So here's this old article by Phil Rucker and Juliet Elperin, Washington Post. On IRS issues, senior White House aides were focused on shielding Obama. The article is about Catherine Rumler. Now, there's an interesting quote at the end of this. This is really terrific stuff. Check this piece out at the end. Beth Wilkinson, a Washington lawyer and former DOJ official, said Rumler's focus on the law is considered a virtue in the White House. So this, this lawyer, Beth Wilkinson, seems to really love the Obama fixer. Wilkinson says about Rumler, she stays in her lane, which people appreciate. That's hilarious. Said Wilkinson, a close friend, a close friend of Rumler's. She really sees her role as the counsel to the president to protect the presidency and provide legal advice. She doesn't try to do other people's jobs. Ladies and gentlemen, who is Judge Sullivan's lawyer? <laughs> Beth Wilkinson, the friend of the Obama fixer. Now, you may say, fair enough, because we always give both sides. It's only the right thing to do. Well, Beth Wilkinson also represented Brett Kavanaugh the uh, Trump-selected Supreme Court justice, of course, confirmed by the Supreme Court, who we know. Fair enough. That doesn't, that for me, that means nothing, though. That doesn't mean anything. This woman is a, a close personal friend of Rumler who keeps appearing in this case. Rumler is the one who authored the, the note about Susan Rice, suggesting Susan Rice's email to herself on January 20th that she was just recommended to do it on the White House Council trying to cover her butt. It's just the Obama fixer, ladies and gentlemen, seems to appear all the time. And again, this is the subject of my next book, which I hope, for, I hope to finish today. The subject of my next book is follow the money, follow the connections. These people all know each other, all of them. Obama's fixer is White House lawyer Kathy Rumler, who knows Andy Weissman of the Mueller probe. They worked on the Enron case, who was involved in trying to cover up Benghazi, try to cover up the IRS scandal, try to legally cover up the Secret Service problems they had, to try to, she was the lawyer for a key Mueller witness, George Nader, who was later accused of being a pedophile. She's the lawyer for the DNC, Kathy Rumler. 
The DNC, who's being sued by Carter Page about the fake dossier, she's the lawyer for Susan Rice trying to cover her butt for the framing of Mike Flynn. I mean, the Obama fixer of all the lawyers in America, either her or her buddies, constantly show up when there's an Obama cleanup on aisle four. Does anybody find that even a little bit interesting? Anyone at all? It's amazing how the media finds these fake connections amongst people in the Trump orbit that don't exist. They colluded with Russia, totally makes up this fake connection. Yet these real connections are right in front of you and nobody's even remotely curious. Now, the media is trying to spin this, by the way, this story. Trying to spin what? There's a great piece in National Review. Now, Kaylee McEnany brought it up in the beginning of the show. You see how I weave everything together. In that soundbite we played in the beginning of the show, Kaylee says, one of the questions she was asked, the guy responds and says, she's saying, listen, you need to be looking into this Mike Flynn thing. The fact that he was unmasked, which he was. But the call Mike Flynn was prosecuted by the FBI for allegedly lying about with the Russian ambassador, he was not unmasked. That call was not unmasked. It happened on December 29th. There are no unmasking requests between December 28th and January 4th. That call was not unmasked. So the reporter jumps out and says, okay, go back and listen to him. You need to listen to the beginning of the show. Mike Flynn was not unmasked. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the scandal. But the media, shockingly, is trying to turn this around again. Let's go to the National Review piece by Anthony McCartney. I'll tell you what I mean. You get, if you get, if you listen to the show last week, you may get this. But you need to understand going forward how the media is going to try to spin the fact that Flynn was not unmasked into, shockingly, some kind of Republican mistake. Andy McCarthy, National Review, up in the show notes today. Flynn was not masked because the FBI framed him as a clandestine agent of Russia. His name was not masked. Now, before I get to this piece from this uh, screenshot from the National Review piece, unmasking or asking who the Russian ambassador was talking to makes it seem, that's why this narrative worked for them in the past, makes it seem like it was a mistake. We were listening in on the Russians. We mistakenly caught this U.S. person. And, oh, golly, we asked to have the name exposed. And it happened to be Mike Flynn. So the past media narrative was, don't worry, this was all a mistake. We were listening in on the Russians. We just mistakenly caught Flynn and he lied about it. Again, this is all bold. You get the point. The media is making this up. That was their old narrative. Now that we know Flynn was not unmasked, there are no unmasking requests. Everybody should be asking this question. Well, if it wasn't a mistake and Flynn wasn't accidentally caught up in a surveillance net while we were listening to the Russians, then how the hell did we get Mike Flynn's conversation? Well, the answer is an obvious one because Obama wanted it. He ordered it. McCabe's already said it. We've already covered this. It, Andy McCabe from the FBI has already said in his book he was ordered by the presidential daily brief staff to find Flynn's phone call. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, Flynn was hunted and targeted down by the Obama administration, period. Now, you may say, how the heck are they going to retool that one, the media, and package it into a new flavorful narrative that doesn't blame Obama if Andy McCabe's already admitted the PDB staff ordered him to go find and hunt down Flynn's phone call? Presidential daily brief. To the Andy McCarthy piece of never, I mean, really, don't put anything past the hack grotesque media. They will lie about anything. It doesn't matter. Here it is. Here's their new narrative from the McCarthy piece. Meanwhile, the Washington Post is leading the media, the media Democrat effort to contort the fact that many Republicans, Joe, get a list, were wrong in assuming Flynn had been unmasked. 
prior to his name being leaked to the Post in a storyline that those Republicans must have been wrong to claim the leak was illegal. You get it? Yeah. So now mm-hmm. the new media story, instead of saying, Joe, a common sense question, well, if Flynn wasn't accidentally caught up in a surveillance dragnet of the Russians, then how do we get his call? Instead of asking those questions, which Kaylee put out in the presser, the media is now saying, you crazy Republicans were wrong. You said he was masked and then unmasked the whole time. And that's not what happened. So therefore, the leak of his name to the press, that mustn't have been illegal, which is nonsense. The leak is illegal regardless if his name was masked or not. The information was was, uh, classified. Again, a media effort, ladies and gentlemen, that never stops to constantly obfuscate the truth, to make scotch tape masking tape from see-through to totally opaque. They don't ever want you to ask the critical questions. And the critical question here and the only question, I had a long conversation with a friend this week and I was talking about messaging else from politicians and elsewhere. Messaging has to be simple. Americans don't have time to go through all the BS. The message here is simple. If Flynn wasn't accidentally caught up in a surveillance dragnet, then how the hell did we get his call? And the answer is he was hunted and targeted. That's why now the media is going to change it to you were wrong about unmasking the whole time. It doesn't matter if we were wrong. We weren't wrong, by the way. We were only going on what the Intel community leaks were. Now we have the real info. This is insane. You can't trust these people for anything. Some more media madness this weekend, by the way. While we're on this block of just pure unadulterated, why I have zero donut. Goose egg respect for the media. A lot, not all, but of the overwhelming majority are complete, utter buffoons. Look at this. Hat tip John Levine at the Washington Post. Uh, Washington Post. I found this on his uh, Twitter. So, you know, uh, Joe Biden has this accuser, Tara Reid, who is suggesting she was sexually assaulted by Joe Biden. Now, the case should get more coverage than it has. But of course, because she's accusing Joe Biden, the de facto Democrat nominee, the case seems to have disappeared. Well, look at this interesting contrast. Again, how the media will frame anything away from the questions you should be asking into the questions they want you to ask. Because the media does what? They tell you a story. The media never tells you the story. So when Tara Reid hired an attorney, Look at how this attorney, Doug uh, Wigdon or Wigdor, look at how this attorney was portrayed by the Associated Press. Notice the framing, the framing of, the, not the facts, the framing of the facts. Prominent lawyer and Trump donor, Joe, yeah. representing Biden accuser, Alexandra Jaffe, AP, May 7, 2020. So now, again, what's it? It doesn't matter that Doug Wigdor, the lawyer she hired, The fact that he's a Trump donor should be largely irrelevant. What does that have to do with her legal defense? But notice again, they want that in there to make it seem like this was somehow like Trump had something to do with this. Now, the lawyer, Doug Wigdor, Wigdon, has left Tara Reid, apparently. They've parted ways. So now, Joe, it's safe. Uh Now it's safe to tell the real story about Doug Wigdor here. Here's the New York Times. Tara Reid is dropped as a client by a leading Me Too lawyer. Now he's a leading Me Too lawyer just three weeks later. He was a Trump donor. Trump donor, leading Me Too lawyer, Trump donor. You see what they do? You see what they do? They're telling you a story, not the story. 
They didn't want to put he was a leading Me Too lawyer when she hired him because then it gives her accusations against Biden some added heft. Like, my gosh, a leading uh, lawyer on sexual harassment and assault is now representing me. This woman, Tara oh my gosh, that could be bad for the Democrats. So I can imagine, Joe, they're sitting there in the AP, they're scratching, they're like, what do we do? What do we do? This guy's a leading Me Too lawyer. I mean, I mean, headline. They must have went through six or 7,000 different versions of this headline before someone said, hey, this dude's a Trump donor. Trump, there we go. <laughs> leading Trump donor represents. Hey, guys, he's a Me Too lawyer. Too. Shut your soup cooler. Keep your holster shut. Keep it shut. Soup cooler. Mm. Make sure you frame him as a Trump donor. Keep that tongue holster quiet. So it shut. But then... When Tara Reid and this lawyer part ways, now, Joe, now it's safe because the story now they're trying to tell you in massage is, oh, now he's a leading Me Too lawyer. And what's the subtext to their headline? If this leading Me Too lawyer and Tara Reid parted ways, that must mean, Joe, that this story's BS because this leading Me Too lawyer who just three weeks ago we made, made sure to emphasize was a Trump donor, now he left, so she must be lying. Remember, they're never telling you the story. They're telling you a story. The facts in the case are clear. All you had a right was a lawyer who's represented sexual harassment victims representing Terry. They couldn't do it. They had to wait until they parted ways. These people are just horror shows. They're so gross. Here's another one from the Washington Post this week. And again, showing you how they framed the story. Hat tip Raheem Kassam for this one. One on top of the other. Two headlines. So when Trump makes jokes, here was the fix in the Washington Post. The fix is at one of their sections there, the Washington Post. Trump makes jokes. They say, you don't understand sarcasm. How Trump and his allies downplay his comments. In other words, God forbid Trump makes a joke. He's really awful and his allies should never downplay this stuff. Biden goes on his show, uh, The Breakfast Club, and says, you ain't black if you don't vote for him. And here's the Washington Post on that. Come on, Biden's you ain't black comment was clearly a joke. Again, ladies and gentlemen, these are not serious people. These are clowns. I just, I, again, I bring these up not to hammer and double down on the media for the point of making fun of them. There's nothing info in the infotainment, tying back to the early show, for you to pass on. What I like to do is challenge you and bring information you can use in your lives when going out there and making informed decisions. That's my goal here. You say, what's the info here? The info here is getting you to see examples repeatedly of what the media does quietly, sometimes tacitly behind the scenes and subtext and how they write headlines so you can pick them apart yourself and understand when you're being told a story rather than the story. I'm just interested in the facts. I'm not kidding. Tara Reid has accused Joe Biden of some really grotesque things. She's accused him of an actual sexual assault. Ladies and gentlemen, I... Only believe evidence. If she can produce evidence it happened, I'm open to entertaining it. I don't care that Joe Biden's a Democrat. I do the facts here. The media doesn't. I'm really sorry that they don't. 
All right, I got a couple more things I want to get to here. Really a loaded news day, including, don't let me forget, Paula, the, the video of Biden at the end, because I you need to help us. I can't figure out what he said, and it's turned into like a big brouhaha on Facebook and YouTube and elsewhere. Finally, today's show brought to you by our friends at NetSuite. The last few months have taught us what's important in life. It's also taught us what we need to eliminate or change. It's the same for business. No room for error anymore. What are the changes you need to make? Do you have this hairball of multiple software systems, none of you who communicate with each other? What if I told you you could streamline it with one? All you need is NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system, finance, HR, inventory, e-commerce, everything you need all in one spot saves you time, money, and most importantly for us, headaches. When you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in sales, NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your numbers so you can manage every penny of your business with absolute precision. Join over 20,000 companies who trust NetSuite to go faster with confidence. NetSuite surveyed hundreds of business leaders and assembled a playbook of the top strategies they're using as America opens for business. Check this out now. A lot of competitive advantages in there for those of you who remember your Porter's Five Forces from business school. Get your free guide today. Seven actions businesses need to take right now and then schedule your free product tour at netsuite.com slash Bongino. Get your free guide. Schedule your free product tour right now. Save time, save money, get efficient right now. Go to netsuite.com slash Bongino. That's netsuite.com slash Bongino. Go today. You'll love it. netsuite.com slash Bongino. Okay. Uh, everything's like out of order because I messed up the show this morning doing my notes. See all the cross outs and everything on there? When I mess up the order, I'm like trying to get myself back. And so five, what comes after five, Joe? Six? Yeah, six. six. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing liberal math now. You're good. All right. Well, Street Charlie. Interesting story I thought I said just about liberals before I get to my other stuff. This story I read this weekend, I, I sent myself an email on it because I just, again, can't express to you in strong enough terms how the Republicans may not be the solution to all of your problems. Matter of fact, they may be adding to many of your problems. But I'm telling you, the cause of almost all of our collective problems are in fact the liberal wing of the Democrat Party. There, I have no doubt about that. None. That's why I could never, ever vote for a Democrat. Ever. Because it's like a little bit of a problem or a really big problem with the Democrat. I'll take the little problem every single time. So I read this story in the Wall Street Journal and I thought to myself, normal sane people read this and scratch their heads. So the California, uh, University of California, the Board of Regents is eliminating the SAT and the ACT. Here's the story. California's college testing mistake. The state's university system puts racial politics above merit. <laughs> this story is, so just to be clear, the SAT and ACT, which are, there's no evidence these are biased tests at all. None, no credible evidence. These are tests of both aptitude and achievement, what you're capable of and what you have achieved. Are they perfect tests? No, no test is perfect. If they were perfect tests, then we wouldn't need grades or anything else. I mean, talking about aptitude tests, you wouldn't, you'd say, forget the grades. Everybody just take this aptitude achievement test and then you can get into college. There are no perfect tests. That's why we use a spectrum of things, college grades, life experience, ACT, SAT. I'll be honest with you folks. I did not score very well in the SAT. I scored average. I forget what I got, but it was a little bit above average. Did you do well on yours, Paula? How did you do? She doesn't remember, which says to me she did okay too, because if she knew it, she'd be happy to tell me about how great it was. She'd be like, it was awesome, and I kicked your caboose on my SAT. So let's assume me and Paula did a little bit above average. But we were super hard workers. I eventually got into graduate school. I got into college, graduate school, and then graduate school again. 
They don't like that, the libs. They don't want that. They're not interested at all in an unbiased measure of people's intelligence. But why? Why? Because as I've told you, liberals are always the cause of your problems. So liberals have taken over the public education system, K through 12. They have. They dominate it. The teachers' unions. Listen, I love teachers. Their unions not doing the right thing. I'm really sorry. They're not representing kids. They're representing financial interests. That's what they do. They have ruined the K through 12 system. They hate school choice. They hate homeschooling because the K through 12 system, they want a monopoly over your kid's education, even if it stinks. And Joe, what's hurting them right now? Well, these kids in these largely liberal areas, big cities where the school systems are totally collapsing, Baltimore, Cleveland, St. Louis, portions of LA, New York, where the kids are getting a horrible education are now taking these unbiased tests, the SAT and ACT, and people are figuring out quickly that they're not learning anything. And the K-12 through public education bureaucracy is embarrassed. So liberals, again, not here to fix your problems at all. Instead of helping and saying, Joe, a normal thing like, hey, daddy-o, I think we should fix the education system because these kids, you know, they're not learning anything. Yeah. Instead of doing that, they double down and say, let's wipe clean the test where people are figuring out they're not learning anything. From the Wall Street Journal piece. California's political class is so desperate to create a different racial makeup at the University of California, and it sees testing as an obstacle. The SAT shines a light on failures and inequalities in California's public K-12 school system. Black and Hispanic students are more likely to attend low-quality schools, which, because of unions, are nearly impossible to reform. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not kidding when I tell you this. Poor Joe's had to listen to this for three years as I've railed on and on about school choice. It is the civil rights issue of our time. There are two Americas right now. It is sad, but it is true. I'm not talking about shutdowns versus that's a totally different topic. I'm talking about Americans and young Americans who are getting educated in decent schools with quality teachers who then go on to make decent money and support their families. There's another America locked behind the doors of garbage schools with sadly some, not all, but some teachers who just don't care anymore with teachers unions who back these teachers up, who are getting an awful education and hat tip to the good teachers and bad schools who are making it happen, by the way. These kids don't live in the America you and I do. I've told you the story over and over when I was a street cop, two o'clock in the morning, one o'clock in the morning, whenever it was, I run into this young kid on the street, the kid, I don't know, he's eight or nine. I was worked as a cop in one of the worst areas in New York. The kid says to me, I'm like, what are you doing out? I was going to walk him home back to the projects. I think he lived in the Lincoln Towers or whatever it was in East New York. And I said to him, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And he looked at me like I had 10 heads, like he had never thought about that question before. And he said, I want to be a rapper like AZ. And I said, oh, Jay-Z. You know, Jay-Z was kind of an up and coming rapper in Brooklyn at the time, now married to Beyonce. He said, no, no, that's not what I said. I said, AZ. I never forgot that. Matter of fact, I wrote about it in my first book. AZ was a local total thug, street rapper kid, drug dealer, loser, like an epic loser. That's who he wanted to be, that kid. I never forgot that. This kid grew up in an entirely different America. I couldn't get this kid's face out of him. I still, to this day, I tell that story because I was really genuinely hurt that I couldn't, there was not, almost nothing I could do for this kid. Nothing. I think I saw him around a couple more times, but Horrible schools his parents sent them to. No way out. None. That's why I tell you again, you want to know why I'll never vote Democrat in my life? They know it. They know that kid. He didn't even want to, forget about Jay-Z. He wanted to be AZ. 
That's all he knew. And those Democrats love it. They love every bit of it. You'll have a poor underclass forever. They don't care if they're black, Hispanic. doesn't matter to them. They will bury you as long as you vote for them. I'd rather lose every election and rescue those kids than win one and, and subjugate that kid to a lifetime of poverty and crime. It's really, really disgusting. And it pisses me off. All right, some good news before we get to this video. I just wanted to, because it is, uh, again, a holiday. It's a somber holiday, uh, Memorial Day, but a holiday nonetheless. Some people have a day off, don't want to feel awful all day. So here's some good news in light of everything going on with the Wuhan virus from China. We're not supposed to say that. Kamala Harris said we're not allowed to say that. The Wuhan virus from China. She says it's racist. You know, they have to say that. Of course, that's all they know. It's right. That's all they don't have anything else. So Wuhan virus from China is what it will be from now on. So... The Washington Examiner, good story up in the show notes, Trump aims to cut red tape tying up doc doctors. This is a, a, a listen, most of what's happened, 99.9% .9 of what's come out of this COVID-19 Wuhan virus disaster has been an abomination. There have been some green shoots. One of them, regulations are getting thrown out left and right. I read this article, it's up in the show notes. I encourage you to check it out. A lot of the red tape where doctors couldn't see patients through online portals, that's now gone. They can now get paid for that. Let's keep that. That's a really good thing. Could open up healthcare to people who couldn't drive to the hospital, too sick to get out. Good idea. The fact that it's happening now, let's keep it. Let's not let the Democrats reinstitute that firewall between doctors and telemedicine. But secondly, that Michigan barber, remember the Michigan barber who gave the double barrel middle finger to the tyrannical uh, Michigan uh, queen? She's yeah. not a governor. She's the queen right now. She is a monarch. She is acting as a monarch. The Queen Whitmer, Gretchen Whitmer, the Queen issued an edict. I hereforth issue an edict that no man shall cut a piece of hair from this point on under penalty of doom and death for the rest of your life. Oh, well, this Michigan barber, who's a real hero, said double barrel <laughs> right. middle finger, Queen Gretchen. I'm going to do my thing and cut hair because I'm a free American. So, of course, they tried to take his license like, I hereby declare she wanted this guy done. She probably wanted him jailed and sent to Siberia, you know, Solzhenitsyn style, right? And uh, that didn't happen. They went to court and a judge ruled in favor of the Michigan barber, allowing him to stay open despite lockdown. That is not me trying to flex my biceps on the camera. That is me giving you a yes. Nice. These lockdowns are ending because we say they're ending. We don't believe in queens or monarchs or kings. We don't do that. We don't do that here. There's a joke there, Paula knows when I was a cop, which I will definitely leave out of the show. We don't sell that here. Remember that one, Paula? Can't say that one on the show. It's family friendly, but she gets it. We don't do that here. I hereby declare my right. The barber's like, ah, go yourself. Well, thank you. Have a good day. Judge apparently agrees. Okay, so here it is. We need some forensic analysis on this. Slightly abbreviated Memorial Day show. This caused a big controversy because Facebook and fact checkers and others, there's a fear that they may shut this down. Here is a very brief video. Do you have your version of it too? Because you did, you do, right? Okay. This is a very brief 10 second video of Joe Biden saying he's going to beat or be, or what exactly is he saying? It sounds like he says Joe Biden's going to beat Joe Biden. I thought Joe Biden was trying to beat Donald Trump. Listen to this video, and we're going to need your help. And I'm going to play 
Paul has very detailed forensic analysis afterwards because it's important. I'll get to what I mean in a second. Check this out. I'm prepared to say that I have a record of over 40 years and that I'm going to beat Joe Biden. Wait, <laughs> did Joe, is that another Biden-esque ca- uh, <laughs> catastrophic gaff-tastic Biden gaff? I'm Joe Biden. Okay. I'm telling you, I am going to beat that Joe Biden. I heard, Joe, what did you hear I beat heard, Joe Biden? I yeah. heard beat Joe Biden. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. Now, again, because we do news here. I'm, I'm serious, not a joke. To be fair here, because fairness does matter to me, the Biden campaign is revolted against this and said, this isn't another gaff-tastic Biden gaff. Joe Biden is saying, I'm going to be, B-E, not B-E-A-T, Joe Biden. I didn't hear that. Now, I, you, my audience, you all are terrific. We need to figure this out because I want to write an article on my website again. I've suspended the article until I can get to the facts because they matter. Is it beat Joe Biden, which is gaftastic, or I'm going to be Joe Biden, which is a non-story? Now, Paula slowed it down a little bit with her spectacular internet skills. Seriously. And play the slowed down version and tell me if you hear if you hear B or B. Little backstory to that. I have to put on some like mattifier before. I know I have to turn in my man card, but my face gets super shiny and it's distracting. I'm sorry. I hate it. Man card turned in for that. But I, there's a little bathroom like in our studio here, right here, and it, there's the top isn't. It's like a wall, so so I can hear everything. And I'm putting the stuff on, washing my face, and I hear. I'm like, that's hilarious. You got to put that. She was seriously trying to get to the bottom of it, and she brings up if you look at if you go to YouTube, YouTube.com/slash/Bongino, and you watch, you watch that video, you'll see it does look like because I think he said beat, which would be gaftastic. It does look like he is saying B when you watch it in slow. Mm-hmm. Paula brought up a good point. There's no like T that seems. If you want to break that down and find the clip, we would love an answer. We would love to hear from you, Joe. Just I need your vote. Yeah. Does he say beat Joe Biden or beat Joe Biden? Well, I saw B, but I heard beat. Huh? Yeah, I heard beat too. So it's two right now. You know, meatloaf. Two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. Paula thinks B. And she is the smartest amongst mm-hmm. us three. Clearly, I'm not even kidding. So if you wouldn't mind getting back to us, tweet me. We would love to hear, did Joe Biden make a super gaffe again? Or was it just Joe Biden saying, hey, he's going to be Joe Biden, which would be, I guess, for him. Actually, not a good thing either. That may be a gaffe. Uh, Joe Biden, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I just figured that out. That may be a bigger gaffe. He's going to be Joe what? Biden. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. A little bit of an abbreviated show today. But uh, we did record it this morning. This is not some Friday show. I want to thank Joe uh, for coming in on this holiday, Drew for producing the show, Paula. We did. We were not. We didn't know we were going to have to do a show today. We were happy to do it. Don't get me wrong. And listen, a quick shout out to Folds of Honor wearing their shirt today. A great charity for veterans, families, uh, school scholarships. Dan Rooney runs it. Really great guy. Folds of Honor. I'm wearing this shirt today on purpose. So, and a really grateful Memorial Day to everyone out there, families who have sacrificed, and to those lost souls. I'm sure you're looking down on us. Thank you for giving up everything for us. We deeply appreciate it on this show. We'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.